Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to um, Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10. This is, um, for those who have joined this week and you weren't here last week, uh, this is part two of um, a series that I started last week, three-part series, um, which is the Essential Wardrobe series. I talked about last week in part one. Um, it was titled The Wardrobe Assessment, and we looked at the way in which I believe the Bible talks about us putting things on and clothing in different things. And I want us to look at this, but last week I started by looking at what we need to do. Before sometimes we put new clothes and put some of the things into our wardrobe, is to assess our wardrobe and get rid of some stuff first. And we looked last week at assessing our wardrobe in Colossians 3. And we realized through that, looking at it, that love, it said, is the essential, the most key garment. The thing that binds everything together. And I said last week, if, if anything, that was probably the most important message of all. Because even some of the things we've just heard with the miraculous, which I love, God is love. The reason why he does miraculous things is because he loves people. But first of all, it's because of his love. And so we should always remember that. Never get sensationalism about um, all the things that we see. These things are good. But fundamentally... Love is the most important thing about God. Because love is the thing that makes him want to heal people. And when we meet people on the streets, the reason why we should ever go out is not to just say, I want to see, um, I don't know, like treat it like we're doing magic tricks. We should treat it that when we go out, we look at people with the compassion of Jesus. And compassion leads us to want to help them. And sometimes when you can't help them with your own strength, you need his help miraculously. And that's where it should always be, I believe. Starting with love. And last week we looked at that and said that one of the most important things we should have, the garment of love, to bind everything together and to keep the body in function. This week I want to look at Ephesians 6.10. We're just in that now. So we'll just read there. It says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers. Against the authorities. Against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet Fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, 
Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Finally, verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. Amen. The title of my message this week is Dressed for Battle. There's some things we need to have in our wardrobe that are ready for a battle. I don't know if someone ever told you this or if you're not a Christian now or if you are. But if you're a true Christian and a follower of Christ, there's a battle. There's too many people out there selling a gospel today. That is a gospel that says all you're going to get is blessing. Send a bit of money and we'll send you a cloth and then you'll have blessing for the rest of your life. Your bank account will be filled with some... It's It's rubbish. It is rubbish. God wants us to be blessed, but let me tell you, when Jesus came to this earth, he preached the message of suffering. He was the suffering servant. He taught his disciples. He said that you need to live a life as a servant. When he showed them, when he, they washed each other's feet, he was showing them that actually a life of a Christian is going to bring persecution. And I'll tell you, we've not seen persecution yet. We have not seen persecution yet. And sometimes if we're not careful, we treat our view of Christianity in the bubble that we've created. In the area that we live. And let me tell you friends, there are people today... Christians being killed at the other side of the world because they create secret churches. Underground, you know these things. We don't know persecution yet. And to be a Christian has a battle attached to it. Paul says that the battle's not with flesh and blood. Thankfully you haven't got to worry on Monday morning about battling off your friends at work when you're a Christian. Although sometimes it does feel like that. But what we have to contend with is a battle in the spiritual realm. You see, the thing is, when you give your life to Jesus, the first thing that happens is, is the enemy knows that you have left his kingdom. So, if you feel attacks, then it's because God knows, the devil knows that you are close to God. He knows that you're out of his control, let's say. Paul said in Ephesians 1 and 2 and 3 and 4, leading up to this, he talks to us about the spiritual blessings. In Ephesians 1, he talks about all the spiritual blessings we can have as a Christian. You read this sometime. Ephesians 2, he talks about us being dead and now we're alive in Christ. Great things that encourage us as a believer. Ephesians 4 talks about the body now operates in a function. And Ephesians 5 talks about the love that we've just mentioned. But he gets to Ephesians 6 and after he's told them all about these things, the spiritual blessings, the fact that you're a new creature now in Christ, the fact that you need to operate as a body and all these good things, then he comes in and says, do you know what? There's a battle. And I want us to focus on this today because I want you to be ready In your wardrobe, your spiritual wardrobe, to be ready for a battle. I know ever since I gave my life to Jesus, I've been having a battle since day one. But I'm glad I'm having a battle. Sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? But I'm glad I'm on the winning side. 
That's the key. Verse 10 said, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Yes, he still has schemes. He's still a shrewd. He comes as an angel of light. He doesn't come every Monday morning sat in your office with a red fork and he doesn't look like this. He still disguises himself through all the things you go through in your life as an angel of light. And against the devil's schemes we can stand with his armour. And I want to know what this armour is. Does it mean for us today what it meant for them then? You see, when Paul talks about this armour, the reason I believe he uses this illustration is at the time there were many Roman soldiers around so he could see the Roman soldiers. Maybe today he'd have chose something completely different. But he looked at that and he saw a resemblance. God must have revealed to him and said, look, if you look at this, this is what you can have in the walk with God. A quote I once read, anonymous quote said this, The enemy is not fighting you because you're weak. He's fighting you because you're strong. He's fighting you because you're strong. Look at the story of Job. Job was a righteous man. But the enemy wanted to attack him. He looked at Job, a righteous man who loved God. And he wanted to attack him. And I want to encourage you today, if you feel the attack of the enemy in your life, then you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Some people say, I'm feeling the attack. I need to be free from this. I need to be free. Let me tell you, I feel the attack of the enemy. And ever since I came into this kind of work, the enemy increases. As soon as you get to the front line, You start to do things for God. As soon as we start to go out into the streets and declare God's kingdom, bringing his kingdom on earth. As soon as we've done that, I have known, and I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know the enemy is trying to stop us. But I won't stop. I don't care who it is who tells me that they're going to put curses on us if we did anything. I don't care because my Jesus is stronger. My God is greater. My God can remove big lumps from young boys' arms and get them to stand around asking how, what they need to do to be saved. That's the power of Jesus. I don't know what kind of church you want, but that's the church I want. That's the church I want. And we come against it with the things we have in our hands Paul calls it the full armor of God. You said to, you said to yourself sometimes, I know I've met people like this, they get up every morning. They said to put on the armor of God, does that mean I've got to make sure that every single morning I get up before I go to work? And this is hard. I've got to get up and and amongst saying my prayers, I've got to make sure I put on all of this armor that Paul mentioned. Otherwise today the enemy, if I don't put this on, the enemy is going to attack me. And I'm going to be down before I know it. But I want to look at this today. The most important thing I want to look at today is I believe, and catch it, this is the most important thing. I believe that actually it's not about you putting some physical thing in or pretending you're putting your helmet on every day. 
Pretending you're putting your breastplate of righteousness on and your belt of truth. And oh, if you didn't have enough time, just like we were rushing around this morning. If you didn't have enough time, you forgot your belt of truth. So boy, you're in big trouble. You only got some of the other things on, but you missed the belt of truth. Boy, I'm in trouble. The enemy's going to attack me and he's more powerful. No. It's not about you physically trying to go through in a prayer routine of how you put on these things. It's not a routine instruction that comes from Paul. But I believe it is a relationship with God. A close relationship with God. Understanding these areas that will put on the armor. And you don't have to physically do anything. But it comes from relationship. Just like a lot of things in the Bible. Let's look at David. Before he met Goliath. In 1 Samuel 17. Verse 38, it's going to come up here. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. This is just before David is about to go and battle Goliath. He says, Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over his tunic and tried walking around. But because he was not used to them, he said, I can't go in these. He said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch on his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine and killed him. You see, you say, well, he didn't wear the armor that they were telling him to wear. But do you know what? What's so amazing about that story? He didn't walk up with Saul's armor on, With all the heavy duty armor. But he must have known something through relationship with God. That he was wearing an armor that was far more superior than that. In fact he didn't actually have anything on. He walked up with no armor. But he had an armor. And it's not something physical that you've got to try and put on. Or by prayer imagine you've got things on. By routine. But it comes from relationship. David stood there and he had the faith to take off the armor and say, it's not my kind of armor this. I don't feel, I've got my armor because I know if I stand before this man, I know that I will be able to do what I need to do because God is with me and he will protect me. The battle belongs to the Lord. And I want to encourage you today. Before we look through these things, that the key to it is, is relationship with God. Spending time with Him, you will understand that when you face the battles, you don't have to worry whether you forget to put something on. James 4 verse 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There it is. It comes from submission, from relationship. Throwing yourself on God saying, God, I know that I can't take on the principalities and the powers of the air. All I have to do is throw myself on you. And your word says it. No one else. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's all you've got to do. 
We have to submit ourselves. We have to come into a closer relationship with God. That quiet time that everyone always talks about, but you think I'd love it if I had quiet time. That quiet time where you prepare and build up your relationship with Jesus, so that when you walk out, you are on fire for Him. You stand there knowing that you have every bit of armor on you and you haven't done a thing. Jesus did not go to the cross. He said it's a free gift. He did not go to the cross so that you have to do something every day when you wake up. He paid the price. And he crushed sin and death. Number one, what Paul says that we should look at is the belt of truth. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Truth. You say, well, what's that mean then? How can I put on this belt of truth? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When Pilate asked Jesus who he was, he said this in John 18. Pilate said, you're a king then, to Jesus. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me, Jesus said to Pilate. The key is there. If you want to have truth in your life, understand the truth, have the belt of truth around your waist, If you want to be on the side of truth, you have to take time to listen to God. Not run around every day doing things the way you want to do it. But to listen to Him. To listen to truth. You can either listen to truth, or you can listen to the father of lies. The Bible talks about the enemy as the father of lies. Or you can listen to the one who always speaks truth and I want to encourage you today you haven't got to put a belt around your waist to get truth and just hope for the best and not really understand it but the key is this to have truth to understand truth to walk around with boldness of knowing truth is to listen to God to get rid of some junk in your life that is the enemy is the father of lies and listen to truth When you stand on truth, it is the best thing you could do. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John, John 8, verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your, to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Speaking of the devil, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. Whoever belongs to God 
Here's what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Some of us need to start listening to God. Start, rather than listening to the father of lies, listen to the truths of God. God says here, some of, if you're going to come to the prophetic conference, maybe it's, it's right here, right now. Actually, everyone who belongs to God should hear from God. Everyone who belongs to God should hear from God. Now, that doesn't mean if you can't practically do certain things, but we should be hearing in our spirit. That spiritual compass that God gives us and that conscience that tells us that when it's something that's not pleasing to God, we should listen more to the truths. I believe to have the belt of truth is for you to start listening to truth. To stand on his truths and not fall for the father's li- father of lies. When Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit in John 16, he said, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you of what is yet to come. When the Spirit of God comes... He will lead us in truth. You need to hear from the Spirit of God in your life. It comes from relationship. Spending time listening to Him. And letting the Spirit of God come. The Spirit of truth as it's just put. Guide you in your life. Number two. The breastplate of righteousness. He said stand firm with the breastplate of righteousness in place. The enemy always wants to pick out our faults. Ferdy said it earlier that we stand, we stand by grace. His amazing grace. It's the only reason that we're here and we're saved. And the enemy each day is arrows of attack that you're not righteous, that you don't deserve the gift that you've received. You don't deserve to have this free gift because look at you. You're not righteous by any means. And when Paul said, put on the breastplate of righteousness, Paul was saying, you should know that you are righteous. Know that you're righteous. Again, this will only come from your relationship with God. The closer you are to God, the more you realize that you need Him. His grace. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The breastplate of righteousness doesn't come through deeds. It doesn't come from how much you can do. You can't build up your breastplate from how much you can do. And some of us today, I believe we walk around with manufactured breastplates. They look shiny on the outside. We look like we're righteous, but if you took them off on the inside, they're tarnished. It's no breastplate at all. It looks good. You've tried to give off this, I'm a righteous Christian. But to have true righteousness, to walk around with that breastplate, comes from relationship with God. It's not about what you put on. God has made you righteous. It comes free. And from relationship with Him, you will understand by His grace 
that you are righteous in God's eyes. You see, there's a difference in knowing we're righteous, but also doing righteous acts. We need to go around doing righteous acts. Some of the things we want to do as a church, we're already, and in a few weeks I'm going to be talking more about it, but I mentioned in the vision day about us doing more in the community and helping be some. And we have already had some meetings with Bev and we're going to be mentioning some of these things in a few weeks. But we're already trying to connect with one of the local organizations to help people. We have to be righteous and do good things for people practically to help them. Psalm 106 verse 3 says, Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Do good things, right things for people. But for your own righteousness, you need to know that it comes from God. And that comes from relationship. The Bible says that our righteousness on our own is like filthy rags. And I don't know about you, if you trust in your own righteousness... It's like wrapping that filthy rag around your chest, hoping it's going to protect you. And I want his breastplate of righteousness. One that I don't have to physically think about trying to put on every day. But it comes from knowing that he has forgiven me of all my sins. His grace has covered me. And I stand here today, not because of my own works, but a breastplate of righteousness that has been purchased from Jesus Christ. If you say, I don't really understand that. I don't really understand how I get that. Then you need to be close to God. You need to spend time listening to God. Number three today is the shoes of readiness. The shoes of readiness. Stand and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Paul says we've got to be ready with the shoes of readiness. You say, what does that mean for me? I, I don't really know what I, I need to be ready for. Do I really need to have these shoes? Do I need to be ready? A few weeks ago, we, me and Emma, we decided to go with the kids. We went to a national trust place over in Bury St. Edmunds somewhere. And we arrived there and I took, I put my trainers on. We all went in our trainers and we were, we said, oh, we'll go for a walk. And we arrived there. We were going to spend a whole day with the kids. And we arrived and I've never seen so much mud. The whole park was like a mud bath. And Emma, she, as she always does, wise, wisely says to me before we leave, should you take your wellies? And I'm like, I don't want to wear wellies. I'm wearing my trainers. And we arrived there. And if you'd have seen us, we thought we were going to come back with some great photographs from this day. But here's me walking around the fence, trying to get around the park to, to the slide. And then the kids are running through the meadow. I'm saying, no, don't run through. Because we weren't prepared. We weren't prepared. I didn't want to take my wellies. I just said, oh, we'll go with these shoes. But Paul says, you need to be ready with the shoes of readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And some of us today say, I haven't got the right gear. When things get muddy and dirty, I haven't got the right gear. So I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to stay here where it's comfortable because I'm not going to go where it's muddy. I don't want to have to walk around like this. I'm not prepared. But I believe this, 
that when you get closer to God, when you understand that his purposes on this earth is for us to do a job and to go out and release the kingdom of God with the shoes of readiness, you better get ready and you better have the right gear. You better have the right gear to go out and share the good news. Because I want to encourage you today, there is a day that's coming on the day of judgment that God will judge the sinners, but he will also judge us for what we've done on earth. We're going to have to stand before him. And I don't want to have to be trying to get loads of stars, but I don't want to have to stand there and him saying to me, why didn't you go and tell people about me? Why didn't you share this news about me? I want to be able to say, well, we did. We did as much. I tell you what, we'll never do enough. One Tuesday night a month is not enough. But it's something. It's something that we're doing to try and get ready. We have the shoes of readiness. When people were here the other night and we went out in the rain, we had the shoes of readiness. We didn't care. We went out. Paul says, have the shoes of readiness. 1 John 2 verse 6 says this, Whoever claims to live in him, get ready for this, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. If you're going to live like Jesus, you've got to do what he did. Well, if you want to know what he did, Look in Acts 10.38, it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. That's what he did. We love the stories to read about Jesus going around, healing the sick, declaring the good news. Here it is in the word. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. That's not be like him. Be nice. Be a good person. Try not to sin. That is to do the things that he did. He went around doing good. Healing the sick. Bringing the kingdom of God. And loosing people from the power of Satan. If you want to be ready with the shoes of readiness. You better start to develop that closer relationship with God. Saying God I understand I want to do the things that you want me to do. I want to start putting these things into my life, in my wardrobe. I want to have the gear in there that says that I'm going to go out sometimes and declare. Or I'm just going to come and even pray in the church to assist this work. And you don't have to do it just through kings. You can do it in your own way. It's not about whether you come here to do it. But we need to be doing it. I believe that the church today is in danger of becoming less like Jesus, and more like us. I just, it, it hurts me sometimes when I look at certain churches, and I look at the way things are going, I think it's like the church is trying to create an atmosphere to please us. That is not why we're here. We're not here to please ourselves in our, in our holy bubble. That looks good and fancy. We need to be more like Jesus. Do the things that he did. Romans 10. 14 to 15 says this. How then 
can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one who, are they, who they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Shoes of readiness. The feet of those who want to go and bring good news. How beautiful they are. We were just looking the other day. And I've just had to order our second lot batch of cards that we've given out on the streets. And I counted and we've done, we've nearly done about 2,000 cards we have delivered into people's hands since last October. That means that in nearly a year we'll have given out, if we continue to do this work, 4,000 cards. And this is not going up and just handing a card and running away. I would say the majority of those cards we've given have had a conversation attached to them with a demonstration sometimes of the power of God. That's not enough. But I want to encourage you, we are are trying to do these things. We're going to battle on the streets with spiritual blindness. Where people don't know about Jesus. Let's be ready with the shoes of readiness. And that comes from our relationship with God that says, God... I want to do the things that Jesus did. I want to do the things that he did. And that stirs up in our hearts that we need to have these shoes of readiness. Number four, the shield of faith. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I looked into what flaming arrows were. I've seen many films when they shoot these arrows that they set on fire first and they, they send them into the camps. And the research says when you look at it, that the flaming arrows that they send, if you put a, a flame on the end and try to torch it, the, the accuracy is totally sent off. The reason why they use them is to siege a place, to create havoc in a place and fires that people are trying to put out. Let me tell you this, the enemy is not very accurate. He's not good at accuracy. He's a little bit like this. He throws things out. Creates havoc. So you're trying to put fires out in your life. And sometimes we're all we're doing is fighting the fires of the enemy. But he's not good at accuracy. But the reason why Paul talks about the shield is he said, we have a shield to withstand. Have you noticed by now we still not talk about any weapons? A lot of this stuff is just to guard you, protect you, God's protection. It says we hold this shield of faith, that we stand on our faith to withstand. When Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego went into the fire, they were tested. They didn't have a physical shield in there, but their faith was their shield that withstood the fire. You see, the Roman shield, if you look at it, what Paul would have looked at at the time, was designed in a way, it's a curved shield, and it was designed in a way to take impact. So that if someone come with a big shock or hit them, it would take the impact. And he has given us, he's he's looking at this shield and saying, you have the same shield, sometimes you're going to feel the impact. 
Sometimes you're going to feel like, boy oh boy, the enemy's hitting hard. That was hard. But this shield is there to protect us. And we should only know that this shield comes from our faith in Jesus Christ. It's a faith that we should build up. The Roman soldiers, when I looked into it, did this. On occasions, they did what was called the tortoise formation. I don't know if anyone's ever seen this. But it says sometimes the Roman soldiers would get their shields and they would put them all around each other. And then some were put above. And by doing that, it created a whole shell that no one could attack. When I looked at that, I thought, boy, that is, not only do we need to have a shield in our lives of faith, but we need to stand together as a body. And sometimes we need to operate the same thing, the tortoise movement. Standing together where it's not just, we're all on our own trying to stand with, with faith. But we stand as a body together and do this to protect each other. So how do we Get faith. How do we get this faith? We know we have faith to believe in Jesus, but sometimes it's, we feel like we've got little faith. Romans 10 verse 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes from hearing the message. If you want to have the shield of faith, if you want to have this shield that can deflect, can take some shock absorb- absorption, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you never have anything hurting you. It's always there to protect you. If you want this shield, then you need to ha- listen to the word of God, hearing the message. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, coming to church, it's not just about fulfilling a religious thing each week. But there's something around hearing the word of God and reading it too. Faith comes by hearing. If you want to increase your levels of faith, you hear. Even hearing testimonies of what God is doing, it builds our faith. You see, just a few weeks, a few months ago maybe, when we did one of our Tuesday evening sessions, just one day in the day, I prayed for a man in this building who was in total shock when he could not bend to the floor because of weightlifting. And his knees, he said, there's no cartilage between them. It's, I'm in total pain if I go down to there. He was bouncing on the floor downstairs and jumping up in shock when God touched him. What happened that same day is I told the guys on Tuesday night what had happened in the day. On Tuesday night, a team went out onto Mill Road and met a man who had the same problem. And they prayed for him. The reason why I believe they prayed is not because it just happened that day, but faith was stirred up. They'd heard the testimony of what Jesus is doing. They heard faith come by hearing. And I believe that for us to have this faith and to have to hear these things, we need to share testimony. And we need to have stories to tell. And to have stories to tell, we need to have the shoes of readiness to go and do it. James 1, verse 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith 
produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Maybe today you need to check the state of your shield. What's your faith like really in God? If it's really tested. When we said a minute ago about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, when they, when the, when the rubber hit the road, when their faith had to be really tested, then they saw God at work. Some of us today need to check where our faith level's at. Number five, the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. I said earlier about the wellies. I don't know about you, but I see lots of people when I drive around Cambridge. I love to cycle around. I see lots of people who don't want to wear a helmet on their bikes. Out of sheer embarrassment of what they may look like or messing their hair up. But when I've spoke to people, and I know people who've died from accidents. From not wearing a helmet. The reason why it says the helmet of salvation is because... The helmet, it protects your head. The very thing that could take your life. You only have to have a, a short blow to your head and you can die. Jesus saved our lives. With his salvation, he puts a helmet on you that protects you. He saved our life. He has brought you a helmet to wear and it's called salvation. If you didn't know what salvation meant, he saved you. He's paid the price for your sin. And some of us today, we can know that, oh yeah, I've been saved. We wear the helmet of salvation. But do you know that some of us today, we're not willing to wear that helmet. We're embarrassed to wear the helmet of salvation that he purchased for us. That he knows will save our lives. Some of us today are embarrassed to wear the helmet of salvation. We're embarrassed to wear the helmet that says that Jesus is our saviour. He's the one who will save my life on the day of judgment. And I don't know where you're at today, but you don't have to just stick on a physical helmet every day and pretend that you understand what salvation is. But the key is this, that he has bought a helmet for you called salvation that he purchased at Calvary. And we shouldn't be embarrassed. To wear it. Jesus said this in Luke 9 verse 26. Whoever is ashamed of me. And my words. The son of man. Will be ashamed of them. When he comes. In his glory. And in the glory of the father. And of the holy angels. That is powerful. I want to encourage you today. You might have got all the rest of the other armor in your wardrobe. But have you got the helmet of salvation? Or do you just leave it tucked at the bottom because you're too embarrassed to wear it? You're too embarrassed to get it out. And to outwardly say that I'm wearing this helmet. That this is what saved my life. When the enemy comes to attack. When people you meet. Do you, with, do you withstand and say. No I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Look. I'm not embarrassed. Or do you tuck it away at the bottom of the wardrobe and leave on, and wear only half of the armor? Paul said, put on the full armor of God. And finally, the
the sword of the Spirit. Paul gives us clear instruction here that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. In fact, it's the only weapon out of the whole thing we mentioned. Everything else is protective. Everything else is not an offensive weapon. It's defensive. The sword that it mentions in this, the Roman soldier's sword, is a a small sword. It's like a little dagger to protect them. It's not for long combat and trying to combat but it's for something in a, in a sense that's still a defensive weapon that you're trying to protect yourself. You're not going out there to attack with this dagger. It's something that if you have to. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, 13, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Some of us today, when the enemy attacks and we feel that we need to stand and we say, I haven't got the weapons. We start praying out and praying up to the heavens. Leave me alone. Leave me alone, devil. Trying to remind him of who we are. But we need to stand on the word of God. We need to use the word of God to answer back to the enemy. We need to answer back with the word of God. So many of us today are coming to have special prayer meetings where we're commanding Satan. Peter Cavana used to say all the time here. And I'll use his words. He used to say, don't pray up to the skies. Put scriptures on your feet. Because that's the only place that the devil will read them. He's underneath us. We don't have to stand there trying to do some big battle with him. Or say I'm going to come tonight to battle these forces that are coming against me. It's a defensive weapon. It's trying to help us to protect us. But we withstand the accusations of the enemy with the word of God. That's what we do. The word of God has power. We've just read it. It penetrates dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. And it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It has the power to do what you cannot do. When Jesus met Satan in the desert, when he was tested in the desert, every time the devil said something to him, every time he said and challenged him and tempted him, the only thing Jesus answered with is scripture. He answered with the word of God. He didn't stand there going, I'm just going to have a prayer meeting against you. I'm going to try and pray against this with all the power that I have. He said, it's written. It is written. It's written. Man shall not live on bread alone. You notice if you read that story, a few times when Jesus responds with the word of God, and he responds back to the enemy, Have you noticed how shrewd the enemy is? He starts using the word of God back. He thinks, wow. Is that what weapon he's using? Okay. I'll try using that one back. And he uses scripture to twist. He tries using the very same weapon. He realizes how powerful it is that he's not getting through to Jesus. And so he uses the same tactic, but God, but Jesus still stands. 
and comes back with more. The word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. I encourage you, when you're feeling the flames and the arrows of the enemy coming to you, creating havoc in your camp to siege your life, I want to encourage you today, stand on the word of God. Know the Bible more. Read your Bible more. Some of us don't even read it. We wouldn't have a clue where things are in the Bible. We need to learn scripture so that when the day of evil comes, as it says, we can stand on these things, quoting scripture saying, I don't believe that. These thoughts that are coming to my head, I'm going to stand on the word of God. Because the word of God says this, it is written. Again, you don't have to get up in the morning trying to sharpen your sword. And your knife sharpener, thinking I've got to get it ready and I've got to go to battle today. When you get up in the morning, read your Bible. Read the word of God. Because if you can quote some scripture back to him when he comes and challenges and tests you, it's better than any double-edged sword. But in Isaiah 54 verse 16, I love this scripture, I always have done. It says this, see... It is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it is I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. No weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. It says here that God, remember this always, that God is the one who makes the the blacksmith, the one who creates havoc. He made the devil. He made the ones who create havoc in our lives. The ones who attack. If he made them, then no weapon forged against us shall prosper. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.